This morning, I start a series uh, called Ask It, and uh, so I am uh, going to be reading from Genesis chapter 1. I've just got several passages that I'm gonna, uh, going to be reading out of, book of Psalms and uh, 1 Timothy 6, so if that's our scripture reading this morning. So Ask It is when we let you ask questions, you can submit your questions to us about the Bible, its origins, practices, doctrines about life, discipleship, problems you may be going through, questions about the church, uh, relationship issues or culture, trends, politics, media, social justice, how they intersect with faith. You know, no question is off limits when we do ask it. So in previous, I do this about every 18 months to two years, so previous questions I've answered were, is using marijuana okay now that it is legal? Should Christians use birth control? Is it possible to be pro-life and pro-death penalty? Is there a problem with astrology? What's the difference between Catholicism and our faith? Where did Cain's wife come from? That was a fun one, let me just tell you that. Uh, what does the Bible say about cremation? How does the world end? What does the Bible say about ghosts? What happens to those who have never heard the gospel? Uh, what does the Bible say about homosexuality, gay marriage, and how should we respond? Did Jesus have normal biological hormonal urges like other men? I know that God heals, but why am I he why am I not healed? So, you know, I never get easy questions like, how can I be water baptized? You know, Somebody throw me a softball somewhere, okay? So when I get these questions, my criteria when I answer them from the pulpit is that it would be of most interest and information encouragement to the broadest audiences. So sometimes they're very narrow in their scope. I'm trying to find questions that I feel like, you know, could be adapted to a, uh, you know, uh, to a wide audience. So sometimes... There's a biblical answer. Sometimes, like in one of these questions this morning, I'm just going to give an opinion on, on something. So, you know, uh, uh, I, I like the series. I learn a lot from it. When you, and you can send me your questions still. There are cards in the card pocket in, uh, in front of you. You can put it in the drop box. You can do it anonymously. You can email it to me. Most people just email it to me. And when I use your question, I don't use your name. So just, just, want, you to, just want you to know that. So, all right, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's just start off with a softball. Just kind of ease me into this this morning. What's God's view on LGBTQ? Good kind of slow uh, ramp up, right? What's God's view on LGBTQ? In college, I took a class that showed a film that took excerpts out of the Bible and showed where it is not judged so harshly. So what do you think? Okay, so first of all, Thank you for your question, who's, whoever sent that. I have always promised dignity and respect to people who might have a different worldview on that particular question. And I'll say those kind of questions are probably my most common uh, questions that, you know, that come in. So I want to say thank you uh, for your question. And here's my quick response to that. I, I would like for you, if possible, I did a series called Naked and Unashamed. And on February the 28th of this year, I did an entire message on human sexuality, okay? The, the, the majority of the content, or a lot of the content, I think deals with a lot of your questions. So whoever wrote the question, I would just ask you, go back, watch that, listen to it. It's on YouTube, iTunes, Facebook, wherever you want to catch it, and listen to that message. And if you have a follow-up question to that just on your card just write follow up and then send me the question after you've read that but I just wanted you to know I got your question it's important to me that you have an answer on that but listen to that first and if you have a follow-up I'll be more than glad if possible to address it while we're doing this series all right second question all right do you believe in UFOs and are there other creations of God out there okay do you believe in UFOs, and are there other creations of God out there? So let me, let me I'm going to answer the question specifically in just a moment. Just give me a moment to kind of set the framework here. I believe everything is in God's creative order and God's creative design, okay? So let me talk about that 
just for a moment. God's created creative design. I believe that God created it all, the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Psalms chapter 8 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. It's, there, there is this consensus of belief that somewhere 13 billion years ago, there was some kind of explosion, chaotic explosion, expansion, you know, through the universe. And, and, and over the, the generations and decades and thousands of years, centuries, this earth experienced some kind of unusual fine-tuning where this earth rotates around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour and it rotates and pivots just a little bit so your spring flowers will be popping out of the ground in just, you know, in just a few weeks. All the planets are held together in order by gravity and they continue to, you know, they continue to rotate around the sun. The moon in relation to the earth and the earth in relation to the other planets and they are all connected together as they, as they zoom around the sun. And even here on this earth, there's the unusual balance of the correct temperature with oxygen and carbon dioxide in food to the point where there is intelligent life and creative life. Can I tell you on God's created design, I believe He created it all, heavens and earth. And I think through it we can see God's creative hand. If there is a design, there is a designer. And if there is a blueprint, there is an architect. And I think that you can see God's hand and order in all of this. So that's the first thing. God's creative order. You're created in God's image. So He created it all. He created it all, heavens and earth. Then He created us, Genesis 1. Let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness, so that they may uh, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, all the creatures on the ground. God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them male and female. He created them. So, we are special. We are unique in the fact that we are created you know, in God's image. We are special, all right? Got a little image up here I want you to, want you to see. Where's my picture? There you go. Is there any doubt who is the son of Brad Dansel? I mean, it's just, there's, you don't need a DNA test right there, do you? Okay? All right, so in the same fashion, we are created. We are branded in the image of God. So he created it all. You know, we are, uh, we are created in God's image. We have a unique design. We have a unique design. Psalms 39 said, For you created my most inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. So there's a unique Design. We're all created in God's image, but there's a unique design for each of us. Our DNA, our, our, our heart, our emotions, our head, our passions, uh, our talents. There's all this unique created design for a purpose. So we're created in God's image. We're all humans in humanity, but now we have this individual, this unique design. And as part of his design, you, were, you have a creative purpose. Psalms 139 says, you saw my unformed body. All the days were ordained before me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. So now he says, you're created in God's image. There you have this uniqueness as part of your design. But now for all of us, there is a plan, there is a destiny, there is a reason that you exist. He takes his unique design and prepares you for your created purpose. 
you may be asking the question, what, what, am I, you know, what am I here on this world and on this earth for? I promise you there is an answer. You are not a random accident. Whatever your biological background, you are created with a purpose and a destiny and plan by our Creator. All right? And listen, if you don't know what that purpose is, we're going to pray for you at the end. Like, what am I, what am I doing? What's going on in my life? Why am I here? We're going, to, we're going to pray for you at the end. In the last part of his creative design, God provides a way for a relationship with him through Jesus. So what's our, what's our purpose? Look at this. First John says, this is how God showed his love amongst us. That he sent his one and only son into the world. That we might live through him. Okay, so listen to me, listen to me. Not just exist, you know, not just have a heartbeat, not just have a one-dimensional existence, but God, it said, he just didn't throw everything out here, all the planets and the stars. There is a purpose for this that he can show his love for creation through his son. So we're not just a collection of planets and stars and, and natural law, but we are a creation, his handiwork to show, to show God's love to us. That's what his son's for. He created the, the cross for, okay? Now, that's his creative design. Now, let me go back to the question. Do you believe in UFOs? Okay, do you believe in UFOs? I put UFOs in the same category as I do Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. Can I tell you that? I mean, we've been chasing the Loch Ness Monster for how many years? Listen, that Loch Ness Monster, I mean, excuse me, that, that Bigfoot, he's 100 years old. He's not walking upright. He's stooped over. You know, with in arthritis, with the, in the woods somewhere, and if we can't find him now, we'll never find him. All right. So I, I I think the same thing with with UFOs. There's no real verification. Most of it is conjecture. Now there there is some curiosity, but what really keeps this alive is movies and you know uh, uh, popular culture. You know things like Independence Day. Men in Black, Contact, Star Trek, Alien, E.T. This kind of stuff just keeps perpetuating this thought that there is some, you know, some kind of alien being. And I know all they want to do is just come find out more about us. They just want us to go up in the mothership and take a tour. Then they're going to set us back down. I mean, I know that's all they want to do. Well, what about Roswell, Area 51? Okay. Can I just tell you something? Here's why I don't believe that. Because there's nobody that can keep a secret that long. You know anybody that can keep that kind of secret? Especially in the era of TikTok and YouTube. You think if somebody's got a picture of an alien body or an alien craft, they're just sitting on it? No way. So I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. So question, do you believe in UFOs? And I say no. There is no alien entity outside of God's creative plan. Okay? Just, it's, just not, it's just not there. Are there other creations of God out there? So it kind of had two questions to it. Are there other creations about God? All right, so this, we, we understand God in the universe, all right? Our universe, una means one. Some people believe there's a multiverse, that there's multiple universes out there. So there's the universe, but some people believe there's multiverse out there. So what is multiverse? It is a parallel type universe similar to ours with constants such as gravity, natural laws, oxygen, water, intelligent life, space and time. So there are people that believe there are other universes out there that are very similar to ours. So do I believe in a multiverse outside of God's creative design? No, I don't believe that. I don't believe there's anything that is outside of the creative hand of God. Do I believe in a multi do I believe a multiverse is possible within God's creative design? Not really. Not really, okay? But God doesn't always tell me everything that he's doing, okay? Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> We're not in on all the secrets, so no, I don't think there's a multiverse and there's another kind of parallel universe out there, but, you know, I don't know that for sure. I doubt it, but would I be surprised? No, because the Lord's doing a lot of things at one time. So, uh, now listen, so let, let, me, let me just, and I'll close this question off. If you're a doubter, you're a skeptic, you're not sure about God, 
creation, you know, what the Bible says about creation, and you have some legitimate questions about that. Number one, I respect that, and I think there are answers to that. And here's, here's something that I would say to you. If you just kind of don't believe in this whole kind of cosmos, what I laid out to you, God's, you know, God's creative design, maybe you, you don't really go for that, then let, let, let me just say this to you. The book of Psalms says, the heavens declare the glory of God, okay? And I, I think everyone, when I showed those pictures, I think everyone, whether you come a faith background or maybe you come as a doubter and a skeptic and you look up into the stars, you're amazed. I mean, it's unbelievable, okay? There's one picture up there from the Hubble telescope that's called the finger of God. It's unbelievable, okay? So there's, there's some awesomeness attached to this regardless of what your background or belief is, okay? Now, the book of Psalms says the heavens declare the glory of God. So that passage says that God is sending a message to humanity through the wonder and the beauty of the heavens, okay? All right? Now, I want to say to you, I want to say to you, if you're a doubter, skeptic, not sure about this whole thing, that is not the only message that God is sending to humanity. He painted this canvas just to get your attention about his existence. But I want to say to you, I believe there are other messages that God will reveal to you if you open yourself up and go, even pray the prayer. Lord, I don't even know if you're real, but if you're real, I'm open to it. The heavens declare the glory of God. There's a message in the beauty of God's uh, heavenly creation. But I want to say to you, it's not the only question. So I just want to say, just kind of dive into that. There are other things I think the Lord will unpack to you if you explore that prayerfully and openly. So, all right, that's question number one, all right? Question number two, should Christians have wealth? The Scripture says Jesus had no place to lay his head, okay? So should Christians have wealth? Now, let me define, first of all, let me define wealth because anytime that question's asked, nobody thinks they qualify, okay? Nobody thinks they're wealthy or have money. They're all thinking Jeff Bezos, you know? So some of you this morning are going, that question's not for me because I'm not wealthy, okay? Let me just reframe that just a little bit, okay? Let's determine wealth. You got your bills paid and you got a few dollars left over at the end of the month. Might be a couple hundred, might be a thousand or more might be 10,000 or more. You got your bills paid and you got a little left over. You know, I think in some form that is wealth. Let me say this. When that passage or when they talk about money and wealth back in biblical times, I'm just telling you, those people they considered wealthy were much lower on the financial scale than you and I. Most people who were just middle class, lower middle class, back in biblical times, you know, they would they would be considered wealthy. So, I'm pulling you back into the question, okay? So most of us, most of us can pay our bills, have a little bit left over. So what does God say about wealth? And a reminder that Jesus had no place to lay his head. So my answer is there's no specific teaching or instruction on the economic lifestyle of the Christian, okay? He doesn't give us a, you know, a level at all. He doesn't tell us, you know, try to accumulate wealth to show God's favor and God's blessing is a sign of God's love. He doesn't say to be poor, you know, give everything away so that you'll have a humble heart and spirit. So there's really, there's really no particular teaching, you know, on, on what that is. Now, uh, now, the Bible seems to indicate that money is value neutral. It can be used, you know, for good. It can be used, you know, uh, in great way. It can be a challenge. It's, uh, it kind of shows that money reveals what's in our heart. So money is value neutral, but it's the heart that determines, you know, kind of money's impact upon our particular life. So the Bible warns us about the effects of money. Matthew 19 
Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. 1 Timothy 6 says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into, uh, and into many foolish and harmful desires and plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love Love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves uh, with, uh, with many griefs. So we see money is value neutral, but kind of how we use that, it can work out in a negative, you know, in a negative way. A, a heart that is controlled by wealth. And money will have, Jesus says it here, will have serious spiritual consequences. Okay? What is it about money? What is it about money that some people just, you know, just can't seem to handle? Well, sometimes when you have wealth, well, on on a relative level, there's this self-sufficiency that sets in. You know? We're not worried about anything. We we can handle whatever comes, you know, we can kind of, we can kind of handle it. I can bail myself out. If I make a mistake, I can pay my way out. If I make a poor decision, I've got money. So there's this sense of self-sufficiency that sets in. There's also, if we're not careful, a sense of greed. Ecclesiastes says greed is never satisfied. You would think people, when they get to a certain financial level, they would be done. Like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to enjoy life. Nope. That's not the case with greed sometimes. It is self-perpetuating. And a person that has, has wealth wants to accumulate, you know, wants to accumulate more wealth. Sometimes wealth and, and prosperity in our hands are misused, you know. Even with God's blessings sometimes. Remember, you know, when they built the golden calf at the bottom of Sinai? Where did they get the gold when they left, you know, when they left Egypt? And the Lord, you know, put it on all the Egyptians' heart to give them gold. They walked out. They were loaded. And the very blessing that God had put in their hand became a snare and an idol to them. So money's value neutral, but it's the heart that determines how that it's, that it's used. All right? The Bible encourages us to use wealth for good purposes. All right? So wealth, I mean, money can cause a problem. But we, what we're going to read, you'll see that there can be a blessing to it as well. Now listen, wealth can come from hard work. You know, wealth is just not the lottery. Sometimes or we're born into money. Sometimes it's hard work, self-discipline, good stewardship, wise decision. I believe God blesses our tithes and our offerings. I just believe when we're a giver, I believe God blesses. So there may be wealth that accumulates just, just from that. But here's what First Timothy continues to say on this topic about wealth. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, which richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. All right, so did you get that? Look at this. Command those that are uh, rich in this world, don't put your hope in wealth. Okay? That's what I said just a minute ago. Some people get a sense of self-sufficiency. He's reminding you, if you've got a dollar or two, don't put your hope in that wealth. But then he gives us some instructions here. If we have some extra money, command them to do good. Use your money to do good. To be rich, he uses this term, not in wealth, not in your, your balance, but in good deeds. If you got wealth, there's another balance sheet that the Lord's going to look at. Not, not how much is in your 401k when you die, but that you were rich in good deeds. Look at this. Generous, generous, all right, and willing to share. That's what he says, command, command to do. Now, so we, we all know the story of the Good Samaritan, all right? So the story... You know, the man is beaten half dead. He is in and out of consciousness. He is hanging on by a thread. And the good Samaritan comes by, and he sees this. And here's a guy. He's got a little money, all right? 
because he starts to attend to this guy. So the first thing he does is he pulls out bandages and he pulls out oil, okay? So he starts to clean the bandage. Now he's already got the money. He's already paid for this, okay? He's got the oil. He's got the money. He's not, you know, this isn't his last oil, you know, like he's helping this guy. This isn't the family medicine. You know, he's just helping this guy. So he cleans out the, the wound and, and bandages it up. He already, he'd already had that. Then he puts the good Samaritan, he puts him on a donkey. You know, not everybody had that. Some, some did, but not everybody had that. He takes him down to the inn. You know the story. Hey, put this guy in here and... Whatever his bills are, I'll take care of it, okay? Now, the innkeeper said, okay, because evidently he knew this guy, and he, and he had a good reputation, so when he said, I'll cover whatever, the innkeeper said, okay, uh, I'll do it, all right? Now, listen, listen. If I am that man, and I'm half dead, I'm on the side of the road, and I see the good Samaritan coming my prayer is, please don't let this be the broke Good Samaritan. All right? I appreciate his prayer. I appreciate his sympathy. But I need some help here. Okay? So, should we just sell everything and live impoverishedly? No. There are opportunities that God puts in our path for us to use some, some means that God has given us for His glory. We talked last week about Joseph of Arimathea. He was a wealthy man, a wealthy man of privilege, all right? He started out, you know, with his own, you know, kind of going down his own path, but then he discovered Jesus. Listen to me. So here's a wealthy man who really loves Jesus with all of his heart. Jesus said sometimes the rich will have a hard time getting into heaven because of the impact of money, but that's not the case for everyone. Because money's value neutral, but money reveals the heart. Here's a wealthy man who loved Jesus, and he went and got Jesus' body. If you remember the story from last week, 75 pounds of myrrh. I mean, that was thousands of dollars that he brought to attend to Jesus. All right? And then he gave him his own tomb. He had property. So I'm just saying to you, a rich man or woman can have a problem but it doesn't mean you have to have a problem if you've got wealth or means. It means you can love Jesus and serve Jesus. You know, for the past years, we've been, we've been taking missions trips, and we've been building churches in some of the poorest parts of the world. Honduras, Peru, South Africa, El Salvador, places that they had no money at all. And when we take those trips, I always say, like I did this morning, you know, Hey, I need $10,000, $12,000. I, I need that. I need that. And you know what? Every year we have people who have a heart for God, have a little money, and they may not pay the whole thing, but they write checks. And we've been able to build churches around the world that people are worshiping in even as we speak because people had wealth and affluence, but they had a kingdom mind as well. Okay, so should... Should the Christian, is it wrong for the Christian to have wealth? There, that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Money, you know, uh, money can affect you poorly. If you have wealth, you know, you can become self-sufficient and, and money can be your God, all right? Or you can have a kingdom mind, enjoy the fruits of the blessing and prosperity that God has given you, but also be rich in good deeds, generous and willing to share. And when we do that, listen, we're going to meet a lot of needs in the kingdom of God. And let me say this to you as well. And this is not a seed of greed. I just think if God shows that you're faithful with what he puts in your hands and you have a generous heart, you just never know how God will bless you because there are other things in the kingdom that he wants to fund through your hands. Okay? So, you know, is it, is it wrong to have wealth? No. Not necessarily, but we all need to watch the impact of money on our particular lives, okay? Last question, last question. Can Christians be depressed? And is suicide, in your opinion, an automatic sentence to eternal damnation? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chop that, that question up uh, and, and, and answer it in two, two different ways. So 
Can Christians be depressed? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Listen to me very clearly. We, the, the church has got to rethink how we've always thought about depression, mental illness, and things like that. So can a Christian be depressed? Absolutely. Listen to me. They can, and it is not a sign of lack of prayer or lack of faith or some kind of sin in their life or some kind of distance from God. We don't need to make those conclusions when, when we... Uh, no brothers and sisters who are walking, you know, walking through depressions. We don't, we don't need to jump to those conclusions. Can they be depressed? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. And we see it, we see it all through the, you know, the scriptures too, that godly men had really low times in their life. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 2 says he he, he reached the point where he hated. His life, Elijah, first Kings, was fearful and depressed and yearning for death. Jonah was so angry with God that he wanted to die. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians said, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we even despaired for our own lives. Okay? So, we cannot use the... You know, the threshold of, you know, if you're depressed, then there's something going on in your life. But if you're not depressed, your life's kind of perfect because we know that's not the case, right? We can't, we can't use that judgment that because somebody's walking through a season of judgment that there's a, there's a spiritual issue somewhere. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of really difficult things that people deal with in, lie, in their life as a reason for their depression. Substance abuse, people get depressed, they have this addiction, and they're having trouble shaking it. And there just becomes this despair in people's life that this will never end. This chain is shackled to me, and people who go through long-term addiction, sometimes they struggle with depression. Serious or chronic health condition and or pain. You ever people have chronic back pain, just chronic Chronic sickness, man, there's just a point that you just get down. You just think it will never end. Prolonged stress, which may include work-related problems, uh, relationship problems, and unemployment. You know, sometimes the stress happens for a long period of time. We can handle things sometimes short-term, but sometimes they're prolonged. And the longer that they're out there and we don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, we just... We get, we get depressed. Uh, stressful life events, which may include a death, divorce, issues with your children, uh, chemical imbalance, or clinically diagnosed depression. So there's all kinds of things that can occur in a person's life that really have nothing to do, you know, with their, their spiritual life, you know, at all. So things to know about depression. Depression can affect anyone, okay? Every, everybody, I mean, everybody could walk through and battle with this, you know, whether, whether you're rich. I mean, rich people battle with it, poor people, famous people, anonymous, those that are spiritual, those that are unspiritual. So everybody, unfortunately, can be a candidate for this. Depression makes things seem worse than they really are. So I'm not saying there aren't bad things that don't that, that occur in our life that, that get us into this depressive stage, but I'm just saying depression sometimes exaggerates or can exaggerate how bad it is, and it's always in the mind sometimes that this thing will always going to get worse. It's just it's bad now, but we start to think it's always going to get worse. Depression makes things seem more permanent than they really are. This is probably the biggest thing. This will never end. Sometimes people, if they see a light at the end of the tunnel, they can get a little hope out of that. But depression, you know, mutes the light at the end of the tunnel there where you think this thing is going to go on forever. This is always going to be this way. There's this sense of permanence that sets in, you know, whatever, you know, what uh, it's never going to change. And I just want to say, be careful. Be careful if you know someone 
that's going through, you know, depression. You know, don't, a, a, an answer is not just pray more, read your Bible more, go to church more, have, your, have greater faith, confess your sins. Sometimes those are very kind of naive and simplistic answers to really some deep things that people are facing. So we want to be careful, you know, not to just go, man, if you just did this, you know, then, then it's going to lift, you know, by the, by the end of the week. So my answer, can a Christian experience depression? The answer is yes. And I'll even qualify that. Can a good Christian experience depression? And I'll go, yes, they can. Yes, they can. Also, but depression works hand in hand with suicide as well sometimes. So let me get to the second part. Is suicide, in your opinion, an automatic sentence to eternal damnation? So, so let, me, let, me, let me answer this. It's a, it's a theological question, but it, but, it, but it ends up being very personal as well. So the Bible is relatively silent about the spiritual implications of suicide so we need to be careful about making conclusions concerning it, okay? There's a, a good rule of thumb when it comes to the Bible, okay? Whether the Bible is silent, we need to be silent. Where the Bible speaks, we need, we need to obey. So the, the, the question, the way that the question is framed, and it's a good question, we don't need to make conclusions about things that we do not know, there is the belief of some that because the Bible says that you should not kill and suicide is a violation of that, then you are lost for all of eternity, okay? I would say, again, that's a very simplistic kind of answer to using that passage in the context of suicide. That, passion, that passage, thou shalt not kill, is not a suicide verse. It is a first-degree murder verse, okay? So we need to make sure that we, we don't, you know, um, confuse, confuse those two particular things. So there's not a teaching on it. And in my best personal understanding, yes, my opinion on it, I don't think that suicide is an unforgivable sin. Okay, I don't think you can just go because somebody ended their life, then we know their eternal damnation. At least 90% of all people who die by suicide uh, were suffering from a mental illness or other depressive acts. Okay, listen to me. Sometimes people face great distress, enormous fear, anxiety, unbearable desperation, and brokenness. All right. And sometimes, unfortunately, in those moments of, of, that, of, of that unbearable, you know, darkness, they make decisions to end their lives, okay? And I just say, you and I, we don't need to make a judgment on that, okay? There are just some things we need to leave in the hand of the Lord. We don't know what people are walking through. We don't know what God has said to them. We don't know in... The, in their moments of depression where they might have called out to the Lord. We, we don't know. So I don't think within itself it's an unforgivable sin, okay? But I have just determined I'm not going to make a judgment on that. I'm going to just leave that in the hand of God, okay? So that's just my, that, that's my, you know, opinion. You know, that's my opinion on that. So um, now let me say, if that's you today, you know, uh, maybe you're going through depression, and maybe, maybe you're online, you don't even feel like coming to church, you know, and I, I understand that, and, um, and you're, you're, you're going through a really dark time this morning. I just want to say some things, you know, I just want to say some things to you. So if you're depressed or if you're thinking of ending your life, I just, there's some things that I want you to know, all right, that we love you and that we are praying for you. We are here from you, okay? All right. Uh, we, we just want you to know as a, a faith community, we're not embarrassed or ashamed of what you're going through. You never have to hide from us because you're going through depression. So what would my church think? I'm supposed to be a person of faith. I work in the church. I'm a member. I'm, 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 not, I'm not supposed to have this. I promise you we don't think that way. I don't think that way. Maybe the church 20 years ago thought that way, but we, we're not thinking that way. Now, we just want you to know that we love you and that we're your family and that we're here for you, you know. 
we're, we're not ashamed. We're not embarrassed. We're going to be compassionate and understanding. We're not going to... We're not going to give you three days to get over it. You know, Jesus in the tomb, three days, he had a resurrection, so, so should you. That stuff's ridiculous. All right? So we just want you to know we love you. We're here for you. We're a family. We're a community. Keep praying, worshiping, and calling out to the Lord. Brent, worship team, you guys can come. So if that's you, just keep, keep praying, worshiping, calling out to the Lord. All right? Just Psalms 33 says, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice because we trust in the Lord. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Listen to me. I just think there can be a spiritual benefit to just having some regular times with the Lord. I know that it's a very complicated answer, and that may not be all of the answer, but I just think, I just know God loves you, okay? And if a, if a child of mine is hurting, the greatest compassion that I will ever give will be when they're hurting, okay? Held them, prayed for them, loved them, and I want to tell you something, you know, God will do the same thing. You may not have all, an ultimate answer out of, one, out of one moment, but I'm just telling you, there's just something about the peaceful presence of God. Just, and I just believe He can, he can just maybe, maybe even for a few moments just give you peace and give you rest in your mind. So I just say, you know, what makes you happy? What, what do you find joy in? Go do it. Take your favorite song. What's your favorite worship song? Just begin to sing it to the Lord. Just take that moment. It may not be the end, you know, of, of everything that you're going through, but it just might give you some peace along the way. What's your favorite Bible verse? Favorite Bible story? I mean, just, just read it and let God's Word wash over your heart. If you feel like it, serve somewhere. It might do you good to serve. If you, if you feel like it, find a place to minister to others, sometimes out of our own depth, sometimes there's this great capacity to reach others. That's just, you know, that's in your heart. But call out to the Lord. Call out to the Lord. And another thing, if you're depressed or you're thinking of, of ending your life, reach out to someone and don't face this alone. Okay? Which is the opposite of what happens sometimes. We, we want to close off and wall off. We want to be by ourselves and isolate. And that's one of the signs of depression is just disconnecting from other people and just wanting to be alone. So I get what I'm telling you is kind of the opposite of kind of the way you feel. But I'm just telling you, there are people that you can reach out to that will walk this journey with you. It might be a coworker, it might be a friend, it might be a family member, a pastor. You can call me, man, I love to, to pray with you and, and, and walk with you. Might be your medical doctor, you know, maybe, who knows, but I'm just saying, don't walk this out alone. You need to, if you haven't told anyone, you, you need to tell someone. And I also want to put a number up on the screen here. You don't feel like there's any, you know, anybody that you know that you feel like you can trust and call or, or, or talk to, then call that number, okay? Call that number, all right? There, there's some people there that'll, that'll talk to you and, and pray with you, okay? So I want to tell you, if, and if you're depressed, if you think, man, it's, I, I just want to get out of here. I just want to, I, I just want to end it all. I, I understand that. I, I understand that. Sometimes that darkness is just terrible. It's hopeless, you don't see an end, and you think the only end would be if I end my life. And I say respectfully, that's not necessarily true. I believe God can bring hope. God can give beauty for ashes. He can take a garment of praise, you know, and give it instead of a spirit of heaviness. I just believe God can do that.
I'm not giving you a simplistic answer that's going to take one week and you're all going to be well. I'm just saying it's part of the journey. It's part of the journey. It's part of the journey. So, all right. Hey, um, all right, so that's week one. I'm glad that's over. Um, If if you're here today and we just want to close with prayer, we want to give time for for prayer. And, um, hey, maybe, maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you know. Hey, this is a great day to kind of become a follower of Jesus. So if you're, you know, if you're here today, maybe you have questions about God, His existence, His creation. You're a Big Bang Darwinian evolutionist. That's okay. That's okay. You know, there, there, there are answers for that. But we want to pray for you this morning. If you're here today and you don't know about what your creative purpose is. I I believe that. I believe everybody's got a design, a unique design, but that design is unique in its purpose. If you don't know that, I'm just kind of floundering through life. We're going to pray for you this morning. You know, uh, maybe you're here today and money is your whole God. I got to make more money. I want to keep my money. I want to earn more money. And, and the Bible reminds us that money, Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and you can't serve money. You got to pick one. So I'm just saying to you this morning, you pick Jesus. You, if, that, if money is your God, here's a moment that God's trying to get your attention. Work, 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 invest more and more. I'm blessed here, but I want to be on this level. Sometimes that's greed that's working and it can work to your destruction. But if that's you this morning, this is a time for the Holy Spirit to go, hey, hey, stop it, stop it. Come, come, back, to, come back to faith. And if you're here this morning as well, man, and you're walking through a season of depression, you even want to maybe think about, you know, ending your own life. Hey, I, I love, you can call me, you message me. I'm here for you. Anybody else is here for you. I just want you to know, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads with me all across this building this morning? Normally, I kind of get you to raise your hand on certain things, but it's a little more personal this morning. So you just kind of know if God is speaking to you. And they're going to put this prayer on the screen that we're going to pray in just a moment. So, you know, if you're here today. Man, you're not sure what your purpose is, your destiny. Why, why am I here? I promise you there's a creative design. for. I promise you there's a plan for you. I promise you there's a plan. Or if you're here today, man, money has moved you away from God. We're going to, I want you to pray that and go, Lord, hey, I've, I started right and money has now become my God. This is your moment to move that aside. If you're here, we're going to pray. If you've got depression, thinking about ending your life, we're going to pray over you this morning. So, Lord, I pray today. Lord, I pray uh, for those, maybe a younger person today, not sure about your purpose, not sure about your design for their life, their creative purpose. I pray, God, you just didn't sling them out here, disconnected from your plan. But, Lord, you've got a design, you've got a destiny, you've got a purpose this morning. And I pray, I pray over those that are going, I'm not sure what's supposed to happen in my life. Lord, I pray that that purpose will unfold. They'll see that and it will begin to unfold to them. I pray for those that are doubters and skeptics this morning. Not sure about this whole creation and God and all of that. Lord, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit can speak and I pray that you would do that today. Answer those questions. Ease those doubts. The heavens declare the glory of God. Lord, show them that that message and the other messages that you have. Lord, I pray for those this morning. Lord, maybe money has become their God. Lord, that money is playing a bigger role in their life, the pursuit of money. Lord, uh, you said it's almost impossible for a rich man to get into heaven because of that. So, Lord, I pray. I thank you for those that have wealth. But, Lord, we humble ourselves before you, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. And I pray if there's anyone today, Lord, I pray. God, that has money out of bounds and it owns them. Lord, I pray this will be a sign to them today. God, this will be a sign, Lord, for them to come back. Lord, I pray over them today. I thank you, Lord, for the wealth that you've put in our hands. Some of you just need to thank God that you have a couple of dollars here and there. 
that he's blessed your hand. Would you just take a moment and just thank him for your blessings, Lord? We thank you. We, we, don't, we don't look with covetousness toward what others have, and it makes us blind to what we have. So, Lord, we thank you for your blessings. And, Lord, help us to do good, be generous, be rich indeed, in deeds, and be willing to share. I pray that you would release in a greater way the wealth that is online here and, Lord, in this, in this church today. Lord, that the kingdom of God will be the beneficiary around the world through missions, our community, the homeless, the hungry, whatever. Lord, we just release that wealth to do good in the world. And Lord, I pray this morning for those who are watching and listening, Lord, who are walking through a season of depression today. God, I pray over them today. Lord, I pray the loving, tender care of the Heavenly Father. Lord, they would feel and sense the embrace of, of the Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that there will be a sense of the peace of God that will just emerge in their heart. Lord, they will know that your eye is upon them. You are watching over them. You have their hand and you are walking step by step with them. I pray. I pray. For those that are going through depression, I pray, Lord, for those that are, might be considering even ending their lives. God, I just pray over them this morning. I pray that they would take this moment as a sign to them that you've got something else. That is not the answer. There's another answer for you. I pray they would take this moment as a sign that you're speaking to them. Do you know somebody that's walking through some depression? Walking through this time, would you just take a moment? Would you just pray over them? Kind of walking through a depressive time right now, just kind of down, discouraged. Would you just take a moment, just call their name out to the Lord this morning? Oh, God, we pray. We pray, Lord. We pray that darkness can be lifted, Lord. We pray for healing in their heart, their mind, their bodies, whatever it, whatever it may be. We pray over them. We pray over them today. We pray over them today. Thank you. Listen, I'm going to be down at the front uh, at the end of the service if I can pray with you, talk with you. If you're online, especially if you're, you know, maybe dealing with depression or suicide, man, you can message me. You can private message me. You've got my email address. Send a note to the moderator. They'll contact me personally. I, I'm, I'm, we're just here to help you and, uh, and journey with you. So we just want you to know that. But I'm going to be down at the front at the end of service. Hey, thanks for coming this morning. We love you. That's Ask It Week 1. 